And we want to look at God's providential grace. We want to look at what God provides and how he gives to us and the wonderful things that we can read here. And as we're going through Genesis, you see God's work. You see his hand. You see the wonderful and great things that he does. And the life of Joseph is an excellent example of this. And there are other accounts in the Bible that we can come across, but when I think of Joseph, I think automatically this is God's grace. This is what it looks like to live by God's providence and by providence that God provides. And he does wonderful things in that. So if you have your Bible this morning, we're going to be in Genesis 41 and some text around there, and you can open up and follow along with us. Before we read from and get into our text and our study this morning, I ask that you pray with me. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we ask your blessings upon us today as we gather in the name of your Son, as we worship you and adore you, and as we study your word, we ask that you bless us this morning to grow in the strength of it. Father, bless us with opportunities to share the truth with others, to love our neighbors, and to love our enemies. Give us strength, Father, to trust in your grace and to rely on your providence. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So we look at the subject of God's providence, God providing for us. I think about Joseph. I think about the distresses, the things that went and happened to him in his life. I think about the betrayal that happened within his family. Remember his brothers threw him into a pit and were trying to decide whether they wanted to kill him. And instead they sold him into slavery. And imagine that. You know, a lot of things that people could say, the things in their life that they point out and they say, and they make excuses. They say, look what's happened to me. Look at the way that my family has treated me. Or look at these events. Don't you see why I'm just, I live the way that I do? How rebellious I am or the lifestyle that I live. Why I'm not committed to God, because I don't see God working in my life. I don't see him providing or giving things to me. And there might be some point in our life where we get to the point where we ask God, God, where are you? What are you doing? Why are these things happening? And I have felt that way in some parts in, the, in, in living and the distresses that come about in life. And Joseph goes through this for 14 years. At age 17, he is sold into slavery. And it's not until he sees any light and comes out the other end when he is 30 years old. And so reading here the book of Genesis, you see God's providence. And the wonderful, the beautiful thing about Genesis is you're not just seeing the creation, the almighty creator. And you, you are seeing that, and that's wonderful. But then you start to see, beginning with Abraham, God's covenant, his promises, the things that he promises, his, his wonderful grace and favor toward those who follow him and are obedient. From Noah to Abraham, and then as we've been studying the last few weeks, looking at Isaac and Jacob, and now we have come to Joseph. A wonderful thing to think about, uh, God's grace. But again, Joseph, he's been betrayed, but he's also been slandered. And I want to look at that event here. The very idea, have you ever had somebody, when you're trying to do good and they start slandering, you start lying about you, start saying, oh, you're just doing that for your own selfish pride or whatever it might be. Maybe you've endured something like that before. It's certainly not a pleasant thing to go through. We look at Joseph here. I'm amazed at him. I'm amazed at his strength because his strength comes from God. Despite the things that he can't control, he relies on God and God works things out. We look here in Genesis chapter 39 and we see another type of betrayal and slander that happens here. Genesis 39. 
Now, Joseph has been sold into slavery. He's working under the guard of Pharaoh, whose name is Potiphar. Potiphar sees that all the blessings that happen through Joseph, in fact, recognizes Joseph's God, Jehovah God, as the source of the things that Joseph is able to do and the wonderful things that he is able to accomplish. In the process of this and being a charge over Potiphar's house, he is tempted here. We have an account here and a good example of how to handle temptation as well. Look here in Genesis 39, 6 and following. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, and after a time his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything he has in my charge." So he's keeping things in perspective. Keep reading here, verses 9 through 10. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Notice the perspective of Joseph here. He says, all these things have been given to me. Yes, I have the responsibility, I have the ability, and I could take great power if I wanted to, But he says this, I will not do this great wickedness. He recognizes the sin. He doesn't lower it down. He doesn't say it's just a simple mistake or that, well, you know, I I have the power and ability, so I'll take advantage of it. He says, no, this is great wickedness. And he says it's a sin. Against who? He doesn't hear mention Potiphar. He mentions God. This is a sin against God. Notice his response there in the face of this temptation. And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her, to lie beside her, to be with her. He wouldn't be near her. He tried to avoid being in the same place as her. And we see the qualities of Joseph as we study the book of Genesis. We see that he's successful because God is with him. We see that Joseph has the ability to refuse temptation because he trusts in God. He has a right perspective of things. He knows what is wicked. He knows what is sinful and he stays away from it. And he does not want to offend his creator, the one who blesses him, the one who has been with him and given him the things that he has. And we see this, that God blessed Joseph even when he is tempted. And someone might say, well, how is he being blessed here? He's been sold into slavery. Yes, he's in charge of these things. He's still a slave. And then because of these events, we continue to read in chapter 39 that Potiphar, the guard, has him put into prison. And yet the Scripture still says that God blessed him. And I think a lot of people will look today and say, wait a minute, I've been in in slavery for all these years, seven to ten years. Now I'm going to be in prison. How is God blessing me? What good is coming from this event? How does God love me? How is He providing? How is He doing things for me? God gives me all these promises. You might look at your life sometimes in that way and and wonder, what are you doing, God? I'm in great distress. Look at these things that are coming upon upon me. And yet the text reads with the optimism of Joseph. In the midst of slavery, he's blessed. In the midst of imprisonment, he's blessed. God's with him and he's successful. And a lot of us might not think of it that way. We might not think about the hardships in our life as a time of, well, God's with me and He's blessing me. But He is. And so I look at this and I'm I'm in awe at Joseph, at his attitude, his positive disposition because it's built on God and on His Creator, the one who has blessed Abraham, his grandfather, and Isaac, and now who is with him, um, 
and then bless Jacob, his father as well, Jacob. And so his whole family's been blessed. He's got the examples that are before him. And yet he's been betrayed by his family. He's in slavery. He has endured slander and he's imprisonment. But God is still with him. God allowed Joseph, who was in many ways, we would say, innocent. The only thing I would see that Joseph might have struggled with is maybe a little bit of pride. Wearing the coat of many colors and him telling his brothers and his family about his dream. You know, I wonder about that, about the tactful, tactfulness about that, about telling your family that one day they're going to bow down to you. Besides that, I don't see any reason that Joseph deserved the things that he suffered and went through. But if, if you're like me, there are things that have happened in your life that you struggle and go through and they develop character. And one way you would want to take them all back, but another way you don't because it made you, those events make you who you are. They develop you. They, they help you to rely on God. They help you to live by integrity. The wonderful things we see here. And yet, the text here, as Moses is writing it and giving the description of what Joseph endured, was again that he was blessed in all this. And someone again might be saying, is God unjust for this? I think one of the hardest questions that we as Christians have to face, and especially when those who are antagonistic toward the Christian faith and don't, don't want to believe in God, don't want to accept the Bible, and, or maybe they believe in God, but they say, oh, we don't think he's worthy of worship. Look at all the horrible things in this world. Look at the children who starve and are suffered, who are abused, who are trafficked, uh, being trafficked, who are being molested. What good can come from that? If a God is a good father, why does he allow that to happen in the first place? I'll tell you in the end, I know this from reading the scriptures, that whatever you endure and whatever those little, any children have endure, that in the end it will be as though it had never occurred. They will grow from it and God is the one who gives them the strength to overcome it. God is the one who's going to make all things just. And those are the things I see in the Bible and I see it very clearly here again in the account of Joseph as he, even in his adolescence, had endured such great suffering. Now, while he's in prison, we read here that Joseph gives credit to God. He hears that, that here you have a cupbearer from Pharaoh. They've been in prison, and so has the baker. You remember this? You remember the accounts here in the Scripture? And they have dreams. And Joseph, again, recognizes that it is God who interprets dreams. He is the one. And so Joseph has this ability and blessing here in, in these circumstances. Let's read this. Genesis 46 through 8, it says, When Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were troubled, and so he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in custody in his master's house, Why are your faces downcast today? And they said to him, We have had dreams, and, says, no, and there is no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Please tell them to me. See, Joseph had set the example. They knew who he was, that he was a man of God, that he trusted in God. And here he offers the blessing of which God had given them to, to be able to interpret these dreams. If you remember those dreams there, you have an account of the cupbearer and him squeezing grapes. And the picture there, as Joseph interprets it, he says, you're going to be restored in three days. But the baker who has birds eating from the baskets of food on his head Three of them represents that in three days he would be hung and he would die. So Joseph rightly interprets the dreams. Two years later, the cupbearer seems to forget about him. He promises to him. And then as Logan has read for us this morning, 
in Genesis 41, Pharaoh has that has a dream. He has the dream of the seven healthy cows coming out of the Nile. They're coming out of the actual Nile River. And of course, that would be significant to Pharaoh and the sustenance and the, the support of that land on the Nile River. And then the thin cows come up and consume them and eat them. He also has the dream of seven ears of grain on one stalk and it's consumed by the seven thin, sickly ears. We read this here in Genesis 41 and verse 8. It says, so in the morning his spirit was troubled as Pharaoh, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. And Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was none who could interpret them to Pharaoh. Nobody could answer this. None of their gods, none of their magicians, none of the wise men of Egypt had any power. God is with Joseph. And here, the providence, the, the hardship that Joseph went through in his life has come down to this point to where God brings him in the position he wants him to be, in a position where he's going to be able to save the world from starvation and suffering. And again, as we examine our own lives, it's amazing where God puts us in the places he wants us to be. Whether we, don't, whether we want to be there or not, whether we think it's the best situation or the wisest, whether our ego's too big and we think, well, you know, I don't belong here, God knows what to bring us through in our life to humble us, to keep us in the right place. So in time, Pharaoh's cupbearer told Pharaoh, after these two years had passed, of Joseph who could interpret dreams. And we read here in chapter 41, look down at verses 15 through 16. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it. I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Joseph answered Pharaoh. And listen to what Joseph says. It is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Joseph's always giving credit to God, always recognizing him through all, every distress. Here, Joseph standing before Pharaoh, he could easily lose his head. But again, Joseph reveals. He says, your dream of the seven fat cows and the seven good ears are seven years of plenty. And yet, after that, the seven thin cows and the seven sickly ears represent the seven years of famine that are coming. Joseph explains to Pharaoh, he says, what you need to do is you need to take in, you need to bring into preserve, you need to take in from the plentiful. He gives the plan and just delivers it over to Pharaoh. And of course, all of his wise men are agreeing because they can't interpret the dream. And here Joseph has come. God has been given glory by him. And now providence has worked its way out. Where Joseph is able to see that what, what God was doing through him and in his life. What we see, I think, very clearly here in Genesis from Joseph is the trust in God's grace. Trust in His providence and what He provides through any hardships. Give glory to God for His great works. When God does something, recognize Him. When you're at work, when you're around friends and family, thank God openly. Tell them it is God who's blessed you. He is the one who has helped you. We don't need to hide that. I was reading this, uh, an article this morning. It was satire. Uh, if you've ever read the Babylon Bee, it's got some interesting things in it. But one of the stories in it was a person, and it says this lady keeps wondering, and the whole article is, she says she keeps wondering when her co-workers and friends are going to ask her about Jesus, or ask her about God. She says, well, I'm there. I'm always around. I'm always doing good. But she keeps saying, I wonder when they're going to ask me. And the point of it was is she had the whole opportunity then to give glory to God, to open her mouth and to speak, and that it requires us doing that 
I don't like that we live in where our country is going as far as godlessness. I don't like we're getting to a point where people are becoming more secular. They don't want to talk about God in the school or in the workplace, in the market. You can't see it anymore. I remember growing up in the 90s when you could still turn on the TV and watch sitcoms and people went to church and they still talked about God. And yet the sitcoms have now become, what's on TV? You don't even get a reference to God. People pretend like nobody goes to church. No glory given to Him. But I see this in the book of Genesis. Trust God's grace. Give glory to Him. And let the world see this. Let it see that we give credit to Him. That's what Joseph did. We see that example. I notice here in Genesis 41, Pharaoh recognizes who Joseph is and agrees to his plan that he proposes. This is what we read. The proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. And Pharaoh said to the servants, Can we find a man like this in whom is the Spirit of God? Pharaoh says that about Joseph. He has the Spirit of God. In ancient history, we know that at a certain point, there was this group of people called the Hyksos. Josephus, an historian, says these group of people were the Hebrews. It's hard to tell. But about this time, these individuals come to control and have power in Egypt. These Semitic people from the northern country come down. We know this from history. And as we see in the Bible, we see it very clearly that whether this Pharaoh was already from the land of Canaan and had already knowledge of of Joseph and, and their family and those people or whether Joseph is initiating this, it's an amazing thing to look at God's providence in history. To be able to read in ancient Egypt and to see these things, these details here that align with the Scriptures. We continue reading here. Pharaoh recognizes Joseph as the Spirit of God. And then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has shown you all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards the throne will I be greater than you. Now Joseph now is 30 years old. Relatively young to endure prison and slavery, and now to be second in command of the world, to be able to help the world over the next 14 years to avoid death and starvation. We see God's blessings. He's able to marry. He has two sons. God is with him through the events. His brothers are able to be reconciled to him. He's able to see his father again. Wonderful things happen in the life of Joseph because he kept trusting in his Creator. The thing that stands out to me is, is that Joseph didn't just say, you know what, I'm going to believe in myself and trust in my, and set my own goals in life. You don't see that kind of speech in the Bible. You know, everyone who's involved in self-help, I continue to hear this. These seminars, business seminars are doing the same thing. Well, believe in yourself and make these great goals. You know what I see in the Bible and I see in the Scriptures and I see demonstrated here in the life of Joseph is that we give glory to God and we trust in Him that He will provide the way. That He will bless us. I can try to force my way, but it's going to be futile. Who do you trust to direct and bless your life? Can you say that right now that you are relying on God? As we begin to start closing out the book of Genesis, this is one of the most wonderful things I read right here, this statement right here, and I carry it with me. It's in Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20. Genesis 15, verse 20. If you ever highlight and underline things in your Bible, you need to have this passage highlighted. 
I love what Joseph says here. Here he's responding to his brothers after his father Jacob has died. His brothers are saying, you're going to cast us aside? Are you still going to provide for us? What does he say to his brothers here? He says, do not fear, for I am in the place of God. And as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. You think about that. You meant evil, but God meant it for good. And that's a wonderful view of God's grace and his providence. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. To bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. And so do not fear, I will provide for you and your little ones. And thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. What should you do if you want God to do great things in your life? I think this morning, I think we see very clearly. We need to trust in God. We need to seek out His promises and live by His grace. We need to love our Creator and give all glory to Him. We need to live in integrity, even the times of great distress and temptation, the things that could come before us, the excuses Joseph could have made. He didn't. He remained obedient to God. I love this scripture here. Romans eight twenty eight. Some of you, it's probably your, might be your favorite one. You can quote it. And we know that for those who love God, all things work for good. All things work for good for those who are called according to his purpose. I see that in Joseph. And I trust in God that he will work all things for good. We can spend our life blaming others and saying, look at these hard times, things that I've gone through. Of course, I had to rely on this substance. Yes, I had to turn to this sin or that sin. I have good excuse for the way that I've been living in righteousness. We could live like that if we want to, but Joseph set an example. And what we've seen throughout the scriptures is that we could blame other people for our hardships or we can trust in God who provides for us, who gives us what we need. Will you let your problems overwhelm you or will you trust in your creator? I want to finish with this last passage here from Proverbs. Very powerful proverb. Chapter 3. and look in verses 5 through 8. The writer says here, Solomon, Trust in the Lord, trust in Yahweh all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord, and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Amen. That's a beautiful passage. I think a good summary this morning is we trust in God, we fear in Him, and we acknowledge Him in everything, that we lean on Him rather than our own understanding, and that great refreshing will come upon our life. This morning, if you haven't put on Christ in baptism, we encourage you to do so. Listen to the words of Ananias as he said to the Apostle Paul in Acts twenty-two sixteen. and now why do you wait, rise, and be baptized, and wash away your sins, calling on His name, that in God's providence and His great mercy and salvation, He has provided a way for us to have the washing, the blood of Jesus Christ. If we will repent of our sins and be baptized and rise up to live in the newness of life, you can do that this morning. You can wash away your sins in baptism. I hope that you will make things right. If there's anyone struggling here this morning, you're going through hard times in your life, things that we've read about today, and you need prayers and encouragement, we encourage you to come forward and sit down here and let us pray with you. We encourage you right now, let us sing together.